Welcome to Change the Narrative. I'm your host, J.D. Fuller, an African-American, licensed psychotherapist, professor, diversity coach, consultant, and author. We talk about the isms. We talk about the phobias, anything that marginalizes and oppresses. Everything we are not and everything we are is because of fear. Through a mental health lens, we'll have difficult conversations with celebrity guests, political activists, and everyone in between. Our mind will tell us whatever we want to believe, but the truth lives in the body, and that's where change occurs. Are you ready to change the narrative? Uta Kandal, also known as Dr. U, is a Ventura County-based, board-certified family medicine physician. He graduated from Drexel University College of Medicine, board-certified in family practice. And he was magna cum laude from Columbia University. Dr. U is a lifelong activist involved in anti-police brutality work, veganism. He's a budding Marxist family doctor, a multi-instrumentalist, singer-songwriter, and music producer who loves to surf, skate, and play with his cat. He believes food and laughter are the best medicine. Dr. U said he believes in prevention and that good or bad health starts with what we eat. Welcome, Dr. U. Well, Dr. Hey, U, it is so nice to see you. Woo, I'm getting goosebumps. It's really a pleasure. And it's really good, good to, to interact with you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited and there's so much to know about you. So I want to kick it off with taking a minute to talk about where you're from and what did it look like? Because every, let me just say this. Ever since Shreya suggested I connect with you, you know, I, yeah. I've been very interested in finding out who you are. But there's things that I don't know, so I know others must not know. So let's sure. first lay down the background a little bit. Like, where were you born and raised? Sure. So I was born in India when I was around two and a half. We got to New York City. And then from New York City, my father had a PhD program in Morgantown, West Virginia. So literally, I spent a good six years in Morgantown, West Virginia, really gorgeous, you know, naturesque. I was always alone and very safe. And then bounced around with my dad having contracts with his job after his PhD, went to State College, Pennsylvania during the Joe Paterno, Nittany Lion era. And then from there, <laughs> right, so much has changed. And then, then after Joe Paterno went down to Laurel, Maryland in PG County, in Prince George's County in Maryland, which was a very interesting. That was like the uh, place where it was, I was actually around a majority of, it was a mix, um, black and Latino and white. And I actually went to like an all black, practically junior high school in Landover, Maryland. And so that was a very interesting experience from what I'd previously had before. You know, also after that, went to Jersey, South Jersey boys for, for eighth grade in high school. And then after that, went to Manhattan for Columbia University for college, which was really cool. Did my women's studies, women's and gender studies pre-med there. So that was cool. And then after that, Took a little break and hung out in New York and went to Boston and lived on the Fenway and played music. Did like a little oh. musical thing because I uh, had gotten into med school and I, t I chose not to, right? I took a little break and we can get into that later. And then after that, went to my master's program back in Uptown in Washington Heights and at Columbia University's um, master's program for public health. And then after that, I said, okay, it's ready to, I'm ready to go back to med school. Went to Philly 
which is a hot town. I love Philly. Man, yeah, I love oh Philly. my God, what a cool town. Philly, yeah. and then after Philly, back to New York in Queens for my residency. And then after my residency, I worked with a, a federally qualified health clinic in Corona, New York, and living in Rigo Park, working with a lot of Ecuadorians and whatnot. And then after that, I said, it's time to go to California. So flew to South, uh, Southern California, fell in love with surfing, became a surf addict. And then now I'm kind of eyeing Hawaii right now. So I don't I saw that. I saw you in Hawaii. <laughs> there might be another move, but let's see what happens. Okay. So wait, now when you decided to come to California, what, what was the catalyst? Was it just because it's time to move? You're used to moving a lot or was there something greater pulling you? The catalyst was I had a little bit of like the field of medicine is so corporatized that even certain clinics without mentioning any names, right? They have a very aggressively corporate factory farm culture. And I felt that New York City had much, uh, now I'm realizing it's everywhere, the specialists are the golden children and the primary care. They're just like, you know, they're like almost like glorified, you know, I don't know, grad students, you know, and I'm like, no, not knocking grad, being a grad student, but like, my goodness, like after so much training, the level of respect, of respect and, the, and in New York City, the salaries for a primary care doctor was, was abysmal. And so I said, all my colleagues were like, I'm leaving New York. I'm leaving New York. I was like, no, New York's awesome. I love New York. It's great. I love the music. I love the history. I'm into hip hop. I'm into music production. Salsa is amazing. Reggaeton was coming up. And I was like, New York's the bomb. East Coast is the bomb. But um, as a skateboarder and also someone who's warm-blooded, I said, maybe it's the universe's way of saying, go west, young man. So I went west. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that makes sense now. And so, look, I I've known plenty of doctors, and I've never had one doctor talk to me about diet nutrition oh, wow. and you know love it never never one in my whole history of doctors uh they never wow. talk about eating a certain way and in your bio it says uh reflection and research into the meat industry practices led you to radical new beliefs toward food can you summarize that for us yes absolutely so born and raised on as a latchkey kid on happy meals two hamburgers, fries, and a Coke, raised on, you know, mom was working, dad was working, right? Raised on frozen pizzas and chicken nuggets and whatnot. You know, I feel like I've did myself a disservice. And then through medical training and also pop culture, I tried to really try all these new diets and whatnot. And I have a lot of early death in my family. My dad died from a brain aneurysm. Is why I didn't go to med school previously, okay. like my first time out. So I need to take a break. So you had a brain aneurysm. My mom's, on my mom's side, my mom's brother had diabetes, died in his 40s, but probably a heart attack. I don't know the details. My mom's dad in India died like in his 50s, heart attack, and probably from colo colonial oppression in his brain because he was, he was in like the freedom movement away to get away from British, uh, imperialism and whatnot. So 
I, you know, was very concerned as a doctor. I wanted to know. And then my vegan friend gave me a book called The China Study. It's an epidemiological study, which had some, you know, vegan tidbits in it. And I, for eight years, I avoided the book because I, I didn't, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready. And I realized that now when talking to patients that sometimes it takes people some time. They want to go vegan. They want to make a better change. They want to get the processed food out of their life. They want to get rid of sugar. And, you know, I wasn't ready. And then one day I, I wanted to read a book at, about nutrition. I read the China study and it mentioned meat proteins and animal proteins being strongly linked to cancers and how we have a focus in this country, in the Western hemisphere and Western civilization on protein, where this protein actually may be a driving factor that pushes us into a cancer diagnosis in, uh, in addition to cardiovascular disease, in addition to global warming, in addition to pandemics, in addition to antibiotic resistance, in addition to the, the destruction of the oceans, which I am as a surfer, I'm realizing how beautiful the oceans are. And so putting it all together and seeing factory farms that are now the norm, 99.9% .9 of the chicken you're going to get is from a factory farm, which is pumped full of hate and anger and control and antibiotics and viral spread. It's horrific. And now as a physician, as a scientist, you know, do I believe that you can live a long, healthy life eating meat? Very, if you do it very carefully, I think you can, but I still think the price is too high. So that's why I chose a no salt, no processed oil, no processed sugar, no white carbohydrate, plant-based diet. Is, and that has helped me, I think, enormously from my own weight issues, intimacy issues, potency issues, my six-pack issues. I could go on and on. But as you can tell by my posts on social media, it's a way for also for me to use it to be anti-colonial, anti-imperialistic. and to try to undermine, because I'd like to, I want to have people boycott certain industries because I think it could help recenter us as activists to not only save the planet, but also to save ourselves so we can be activists for so much longer. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, that's an amazing process that you went through. And, and I've watched you transform your body. I mean, you look amazing. Oh, you're it's so brave. Crazy. No, it's like, really? All right. So, Dr. Wu, I need you to tell me what you tell your patients about a plant-based diet. What do you want them to know? How do you counsel them? Okay. <laughs> okay. So, what I tell them is this. I say, listen, we're in America. It's a free country, right? I tell them, you can do whatever you want. I want to support your bodily autonomy. I want you to do whatever you feel is good. But my professional opinion, after going through so many diet, my, diets myself, and after reading a lot of literature on nutrition and also practicing and taking lab work, 
as I'm working with patients, I tell them, I think that a low salt, no processed oils, no processed sugars, no white carbohydrates, plant-based diet that is whole plants can enormously help you in a number of aspects in your life, your energy, your sleep, your gastrointestinal system, less reflux, better sex life, no food coma, the itis after eating a big lunch, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> your older years are going to be much happier. Also, athleticism, you'll be lighter, quicker, jump higher, run faster, maybe even have more endurance due to the increased circulatory power, right? So I go on and on and on. And then, and then I find out what they'll want to do that day. Or is it the way they want to work on cholesterol? Is it the blood pressure? Is it the sugar? Then we kind of tailor it to the, to the individual. You're definitely giving them uh, much more than I've ever received. And I learn a lot from you, like I said before, all the time. So I, I really have a lot of respect for the energy and the effort you put towards your uh, patient's well-being. That's really, it's, it's, it's incredible. From one excellent professional to another, to hear that from you, I can't tell you how important it is to hear this because even within the medical community, you know, I won't mention where, right? It's still do even to be against processed meats, vocally, to be vocally loud against processed sugars, to have the goal to strongly suggest the patient to do something and tell them, I want you to go in this direction. It's almost seen as it's you're not partial. Yeah, it's exactly. It's a controversy and it's absolutely it shouldn't be, but it is even amongst the physicians because we're so yeah, look, poorly educated in nutrition. Yes. No, absolutely. My, my doctor really wants me on high blood pressure medication. I've been treating it with natural herbs and it's been maintaining, right? And I'm not, yeah. you know, I, I eat a pretty healthy diet, so I'm not over the top, but it's in my family history, you know, so I always have to keep an eye on it. And we get into arguments about how she wants me to take the medication, even though I don't really need the medication right now. So I know what you're saying is very true. It's like they're programmed. Totally yeah. programmed because they'll get dinged by their supervisors, if need be. Let's say you have, you're a doctor and you're not the most popular doctor. They'll look for anything in your notes, in your whatever you're going to do to try to take you out. Except they don't do follow the standard protocol. Then you might be suspect to scrutiny that you may not want. And so that's part of it too. And then also just, just a lot of, Dogs, they don't want to talk. It takes time to talk about addiction. It takes time. And dogs are like, I gotta go. Yeah, no, you put a lot of pressure on what's happening in the practice. That's why you're a gangster. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gear. <laughs> I'm gonna yeah, I I just joined the doctor's union and boy are we utilizing it. Nice. Right. Nice. I love that. All right, I want to shift gears a little bit to have you talk sure. about your social media and activism. Let's okay. start by sharing how you identify as a quote-unquote budding Marxist family doctor. Talk about what that yeah. means. Yeah. Okay, so, you know, I have 
realized over, I think it was Bell Hooks. Bell Hooks, for all of those who don't know, I'm sure you do, is a feminist academic. Didn't she pass away last year? I think it was this year. Yeah, last year. Bell Hooks, she exposed me to looking at the world, you know, not only as a progressive in terms of battling white supremacy, not only battling patriarchy, but she also battled capitalism, yeah. which those three and then, and then stuff, she also talked about, you know, not being blind to our ableism and whatnot. She was always trying to, you know, push us to be the best activists we could with the theories that she had. So I think it was Black Looks I read. That anti-capitalistic ideology was born in me. And now I'm seeing it now in clear as day. We're seeing how it, capitalism has ruined the practice of medicine, has ruined the landscape, is, is, is robbing the oceans of all the fish. It's deteriorated every social music even. Look at the music industry, right? Just done. Just done. Trash. The capitalist trash that is now out there. And that I want to kind of work with my patients and say, listen, there is a scheme going on here and it's making you sick and it's based, it's profiting off of your illness and your addictions. And so I use it for me. It's one of the motivations that helps me resist my cravings for sugar, my cravings for fat, the cravings for, sometimes I still drive by McDonald's and I'm like, I, I, <laughs> I, I, want, I want my chicken, chicken sandwich, right? And I'm like, no, I am not going to fund this capitalistic death machine. I won't do it. And so that I want to encourage people to see themselves as economic beings. Sin doesn't teach us that. And schools yeah. don't teach us. You have to do with all this, this Marxist. And I like Karl Marx because it's very, I always talks about the laborer, the laborer, the person who's doing the work. And I like that focus on the worker. Yeah. And when you think about work, who does the work in the most work, at least in our close homes, it's the women. And so that Marxist feminism, and once you start to blend the two and you realize, oh my goodness, like, ah, uh, there's such a, a massive amount of power if we can utilize feminism and Marxism with anti-white supremacy if we could guide our political action that way and our, and our professional careers that way, right. I think we could have a large impact, a larger impact. I, I have to tell you, uh, that's poetic, what you just said. And I love bell hooks. Uh, so, right? yeah, that's poetic. It really makes sense. Thank you so much for breaking that down. So I'm going to ask you another medical question right now. Sure. Which is, would you give us an update on the coronavirus and why you believe in masking as well as the best prevention for monkeypox? So that's like three questions in one. Sure, sure, sure. So COVID, just like the vaccines, right, we don't know what the effects are, the side effects are of these two things 10, 20 years out. Okay. Right. We know from right-wing media, you can get a lot of injuries with the vaccine and whatnot, but we also see 
that the vaccine has been really effective, especially for the vulnerable and the elderly, to keep them alive, like grandma's alive. Like, look at Joe Biden. The guy's practically almost, maybe, demented. He got cut in. And, um, and it's amazing how he didn't have to even go. Was he even hospitalized? Like, proper? I don't think so. Dude, that's insane. That is right. really testimony to not only how he's keeping himself in shape. you got to give him some, some credit. I saw him riding a bike, even though he fell off. Right. But my point is that the vaccines could potentially have saved him from a horrific hospital course. And so that's why I'm very pro vaccine, especially for the vulnerable and the elderly. Masks. I love masks. Oh my God. And you too. I tell, I love them to death. It's so great. Cause now some of my patients who are extremely friendly, who always like to want to give me a kiss on my face. Like that, it's done. It's done. It's great. I love it. I'm like, okay, cool. Because, you know, I get into what I'm doing and people want to show their appreciation and there's no more kisses all over my face. And I'm like, okay, cool. So it's kind of a cool boundary. I like boundaries, right? So I did two. And then three, I used to work at a clinic but that I worked with undocumented field laborers here in Southern California. And I worked for it for four years. It was awesome. I felt really good working with one laborer. We were talking about laborers. And these are undocumented laborers of color who are indigenous, whose, whose land we're actually on. They're just right. coming home, right? They were just coming home to do some work. And they put plants on our tables. So as a now as a budding Marxist vegan, I'm like, holy cow, these laborers are keeping me alive. But I contracted tuberculosis working with these laborers before COVID. So when I got my new job where I work now, I applied, they checked my blood. I was positive, quantifiron gold positive for tuberculosis. So I was like, should I be wearing a mask all the time before COVID? Now that COVID has hit, I'm like, all right, I'm, I have already gotten a, a major illness. I already got treated for it. And now I haven't gotten COVID yet, at least as far as I, I know. I haven't checked my antibodies. I should check. It'd be kind of interesting to see if I was one of the asymptomatic people who was a carrier. But I've been very careful. I wear an N95 and goggles. Yeah, I saw. You were both. You were N95 and the goggles. Oh, You're not play. playing. I don't, I don't play. I, uh, I know it can go through the eyeballs because, look, it's like mucous membranes, people. Like, hello. When someone says, can I have pepperoni with your pizza, please? <laughs> They're spitting. I just, I'm spraying right now while I'm playing. I don't know people now, but I'm just spraying. So that is what's going on when people are talking and they're spraying in your eyes, mate. You know, like you can get a virus through your eyeballs, number two, right? And so monkeypox, there are reports that it could be respiratorily, you know, uh, passed on. We're seeing it's in fomites and what you wear and maybe it's in, like, in close contact. We know it's in the men who have sex with the men population. But once it's on your skin, like it could go to anywhere. You can, you know, just, you can... You know, share a bed like in a hotel if they didn't, you know, I don't know if they didn't, you know, or Airbnb, let's say Airbnb. Yeah. You know, if an Airbnb or kind of lazy, didn't change the sheets, they probably did. But let's say it's something else. I'm not trying to knock the Airbnb <laughs> industry. But you feel me what I'm saying? 
is that sure. that's why it's so important to still keep your guard up because I heard it's a vicious disease. You've seen the reports, it hurts, it looks nasty, right? So it, I think it's still important to be vigilant. So there was this woman on social media who was showing her process and she swears she got it from the money at the oh, wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah, that's what she's saying. But I'm with you. I'll, I will mask. Well, I'll mask. I don't know when I'm taking it off. That's the bottom line. I'm telling you. you. COVID's brand new, baby. It's been two. It's COVID's two years old. Yeah. It's yeah. a baby. It's an infant still. And people, I, people, I, I'm like, well, I was walking outside today. I was like, oh, I was looking at a, a lady who wasn't wearing masks. I was like, yeah, homegirl thinks it's like, it's everything's normal. I'm like, that is like such a state of like, like naive denial. And I'm like, oh, God, so much denial. And yeah, this fetish, you know, it's anything, they, they hide behind. The word freedom, it's just, yeah, I think it's more just, it's psychological denial. It's like, really, dude? Come on. I'm with you. I'm with you. That's why I had to have you speak on it. I had to have you speak exactly. on it. Yeah. Uh, look, another topic that you speak on pretty regularly, and I want to get your perspective because I think it's really important, is your perspective on Israel and Palestine. Will oh, you, wow. you talk about that a little bit? Wow. You know, Israel had such the potential to be the most caring, most beautiful, mature, learned place on planet Earth. But unfortunately, it has become a white supremacist, racist place where even Ethiopian and Black Jews may have a difficulty staying within the promised land. And I'm like, holy cow, right? And then as much as I know, I'm not a Palestinian expert, right? Palestinian, Palestine, Israeli expert. The nature and the way Israel was born, it was like Great Britain carved it out of a, of, of some random place. They were, I, I folks won't say random, but this quote, well, holy place, right? Out of someone else's home. And it was no, there was no negotiations with the folks that were staying there. So from its inception, it was an invasion, and from then it's been an invasion after an invasion after an invasion. And the United States is taking our tax dollars and the billions of dollars a year to provide this place to have a massive military presence, right? As well as free medical care. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> give us medical care first, then I have no problem. I won't be able, you know, come on. So that's why I feel like. We need to like slow it down, man. And slow it down and really have respect for the Palestinians that whose land has been stolen, is being stolen as we speak. Again, journalists are getting shot in the face, mate. I'm like, holy cow, where's the outrage? And so it's, you know, you've just got, an, it's, it's basic human decency. And I feel like, oh my God, the Zionist government hasn't learned a thing from Nazism and now they're replicating the same Nazi tactics. And it's like, yeah. how heartbreaking can humanity get? Much more, unfortunately. So, so much more. So, so. It is very sad. And I, and I know your perspective is controversial to a lot of people, but I do think it's important to have all sides represented. So I appreciate you sharing that with me. And again, I learn a lot from you. So I appreciate that. JD. 
Oh, <laughs> so Doc, you have a lot to say about oppressive structures in the U.S. How do you avoid not getting into trouble and being so clear about what you believe? Oh, I get the trouble. I get trouble okay. a lot. Yeah, I get into a lot of trouble. I think I'm learning through my trouble. I was reading Swami Krishnamurti, right? He's a philosopher from India who ended up in Southern California, right up the road, died up the road. And I remember reading about him and I was sitting in, I think it was Harlem Park, right? In Harlem, right? And I was reading and it said, challenge every rule, break every rule you can. And after that, then you will really know the ins and outs of that rule. So I like to break rules. I like to break protocol. I like to break because it makes me that much more learned and so much less stressed when I need to do something that's right on the edge. I'm not stressed. I'm like, okay, cool. It's like, you know, sometimes when you're learning to surf, you know, sometimes you got to take the big wipeout. Get, take the wipeout and learn from it. Like, you know, if it hit you in the head, maybe you should wear a helmet that the next time you play. Maybe you should cover your head this way. Because of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. So getting into trouble, I think for me, has made me grow. It's got me out of New York City. It might, need, it might get me to Hawaii. It's always been like I'm falling forward. I'm always falling upwards. And I'm saying, I'm in the process of being like into a lot of trouble right now. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited about, do I lose sleep? Sometimes I get stressed. But as long as I know I'm not killing someone, as long as I know I'm not being mean to someone, as long as I know I'm not doing something illegal, as long as I know I'm just doing something that's unorthodox, then I have fun with it. And, and that's, the, that's the key is that, you know, if I'm not meant to be somewhere and, and I get into trouble and I get the boo, I think it's the spirit's way of saying, bro, they're not ready for you. Yeah. Like, do yeah. your thing, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's been my whole career. That's yeah. been my whole career, hitting in trouble for standing up for shit. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. First time I got fired, I was like, oh, okay, that feels all right. Let me keep going. Right? That me the yeah. to keep picking up. <laughs> no shame in that. No shame in getting fired for the right reason. Exactly. That, it, that makes you even better because that, that means you, you're getting to know who you are rather than becoming a robot and mutating your mental structure to be anti-you. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about the lack of authenticity when you have to walk in other people's design of who you are. That's problematic. You, you know, there's a loss of self. Stress, the stress yeah. on the heart. You're only, you're only like, you're willing to live once. It's much too short. Yeah. I agree with you. All right. I think it's important for everybody to have your social media handles. So would you hand those out, please? Tell them what they are. Okay. So Sanju Sai is by Instagram. S-A-N-J-U Sai. S-Y-E. That's my Insta. And my, you can get, look me up at Udit Condal MD, also on Instagram. That's a cleaner doctor version. And you get the raw dog version on Sanju Sai, right? And then the Facebook, I don't even know my Facebook. I know I have an Udit Condal Facebook. You can hit me up there, U-D-I-T-K-O-N-D-A-L also. And I, I, I think also my Sai Sanju is my Facebook handle. 
uh, S-Y-E-S-A-N-J-U, right? So hit yeah. me up. And then I okay, have- Okay, wait, one more. Go ahead. Your Twitter. Your Twitter. Say your Twitter. Uh, oh, so I have a Twitter account. I have an Optar. It's, it's, I don't use my real picture on it. That my Twitter, I think, I think it's, I'm, I think oh, it's Hinduistic with a K. Hinduistic okay. with a K at the end. So yeah, it's like a burner account. So I'm budding on Twitter too. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. First of all, I, w- I want to say thank you so much for sharing space with me. You're such a special person. I have Changing a big fan. A lot of respect. A lot of respect for you. I hope you know. No respect for two. I'm excited about where your show goes. I'm digging what you're doing. Congratulations on launching it. You and Kev are going to do big and bad things. I love it. Thank you. I appreciate it. So you have so much knowledge to share. And the one thing I would like you to do is have the final word on what you want people to know going out. Yeah. When you base, I want people to really learn and just, just do a little reading of Karl Marx. I want you to do, because we're not going to get it anywhere. You got to go and do it yourself. Learn a little bit about Marxist ideology and how it centers the worker. The, like, and so what, that's why, you know, all of these new unions that are budding Amazon, Starbucks, Chipotle, my job, the unions, I think, are aware that we have a strong potential to take back control of this country away from the corporates. And, and if you read a little Karl Marx, you don't have to become a Marxist. If you read a little bit of Marxist theory on how he, he has seen the world and how he philosophizes about the world, I think it's a way to marry that Marxist philosophy with the indigenous cultures that are already group-based, not individual. We're all great individual. We're American individual. <laughs> I'm an individual. That's great. And I, I think that's awesome. It's good to learn about your own ego and your own potential as an individual. But we've lost this connection to nature. And I like how the indigenous collectivism brings us to nature. But I like how Marx says, listen, we need to control the companies because everything we do is run by a company. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Way to go out, Doc. Way to go out. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much. And I'm, well, I'm following you, so you can't get rid of me. Yeah, Jay Three. Thank you so much. I had such a good time. Thank you so much. Awesome. That only means you'll come back. You'll come back later on. We'll do it again. I shall. I shall. And, 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 and Godspeed with you. Thank you. Same with you. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And also, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Thank you for listening to Change the Narrative with J.D. Fuller. 